0: Well, we are continuing the series that we kicked off uh, last week called Make Room. As we have said that the uh, vision for this year is this phrase, make room, that this would be a year where God wants to do things that maybe he's never done before in our lives. But if we're going to receive what he has for us, we may need to take some steps to make room like never before in our lives to receive what he has for us. And so there's some things corporately as a church that we're doing as we share. We had our men's prayer every month. We this past Thursday night, we had a worship night here, a powerful worship night here, where people came and said, Man, I want to prioritize the presence of God. There's something coming up this Tuesday. If you missed our Vision Sunday, I want to remind you about it. Every other Tuesday and this next Tuesday, Tuesday is the next time it's happening. Every other Tuesday, we have an experience around here called the prayer room. And the prayer room is simply an opportunity to just have some space with Jesus. It's not like a worship night where the full band's going to be here. Uh, It might have somebody on the keys, might have somebody on a guitar just leading a little worship, have a few people leading prayer throughout the evening. But it's just an environment to kind of push out the rest of the world for a few minutes. Say, God, I just want to be with you. And I'll tell you, every time that I've walked into the prayer room, it's been a powerful encounter for me as I've felt God speak to my heart as you make space for him. And so I want to challenge you. Maybe this Tuesday, some of you want to take a step out of the comfort zone, out of the normal flow of your life life. Say, God, I want to be here for a few moments uh, to to just be with you, all right? Uh, But we are also challenging everyone, what does it look like in your personal life to make room? In fact, I was having dinner uh, with somebody last night, and they just shared, you know what? I heard that word, and I've, I've challenged myself to actually, I make room for a lot of stuff in my life, but so often, following Christ, that can kind of slip to the back burner, and how can I prioritize Him? And I would challenge you, what does that look like in your life? That all of us can say, we want to raise the bar and say, God, I want to give you the room in my life to move like you want to, and so last week we kind of started the series is talking about this whole idea of first love, coming back to our first love. This morning I'm just going to warn you. This morning's message is a challenging message. Uh, this isn't gonna, this isn't a tickle your ear message here. This is a message that we may not want to hear, but it's a message we absolutely need to hear if we're going to have faith that endures. And so I challenge you to open your heart, open your ears, allow God to speak to you today, all right? If you got your Bibles, would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12? Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse number one. And if you would, would you stand with me across the room as we're gonna read our text together? As I said, if this is your first time, uh, we just do this, we stand as a way to say, God, we honor your word. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse one, says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off Everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary lose heart let's pray father we thank you thank you that you do want to speak to our hearts today so god we just hit pause on all the other voices so many voices that want our attention even right now so many distractions that want to grab hold of us and we just put that aside say holy spirit would you speak to us specifically would you speak to every single person in this room pray that in your name everybody said amen amen you can be seated Well, there is an attribute of life that is critical for every single one of us. And it's this perspective, perspective. Each of us has our own perspective. I'll prove it to you. How many of you would say when it comes to vegetables, you love vegetables. It's your favorite food. Raise your hand. There's a couple of you. Okay. How many of you, when it comes to vegetables, you're like, vegetables are gross. Just be honest. Okay. Okay. Okay, we got a few of those. All right. How many of you, when it comes to winter, you say winter, like a snowy winter, is the greatest winter ever? Raise your hand. Okay, there's a few of that. You're crazy. How many of you say what we are having right now is the greatest winter ever? Because there's no snow on the ground. There we go. Exactly. You all got a different perspective. How many of you would say country music is just amazing? I love country music. Can we say country music is awful? Raise your hand. Okay, there it is. Like every one of us, every one of us has our own perspective, right? And we have these inherent perspectives. How many of you are glasses half empty kind of people? Be honest. See, nobody ever wants to claim that. If you, you're like, ooh, you know, so it's okay. Some of you are that well, That's fine. How many of you are glasses half full people? Raise your hand. You're like just positive. You just believe in the best. How many of you are like, it is what it is, right? You're like, it's, you're just the realist in the room. That's me. Okay, we all have these different perspectives. We have all these inherent perspectives, but we also get to choose our perspective. Every one of us gets to choose our perspective. And some of you may need to hear this. You might not take anything else away this morning, but hear this. The perspective you choose related to a circumstance is often more important than the circumstance itself. I'm going to say it again. The, the perspective you choose related to a circumstance is often more important than the circumstance itself. Because every single one of us in this room, be honest, every one of us have known people who their life is awesome. And they're still crotchety. Right? Everything is great in their life, and they're still cranky, and you don't want to be around them because their perspective is bad. And every single one of us knows somebody who's walked through a really, really hard circumstance, and yet their perspective has been good. And you're like, they're still sweet. How are they possibly still sweet even though they're walking through that garbage circumstance? Perspective is different. You see, perspective matters, and when it comes to faith, our perspective really matters. Okay? So often Christians, and I'll just say so often we, all of us in this room, so often we behave just like the world does, right? We profess one thing, but we act like everybody else does. There's a few mindsets that I think are prevalent, and I think you'll see this in the world that we live in. One of the mindsets that we see in our world is this, that it's the idea of now, now. When do you want it? Now right? All I care about is now. I'm not worried about tomorrow. I'm worried about now, now, now. It's this whole idea of immediate gratification. And even if it's not now today, it's now this life, right? I'm only here for 60, 70, 80 years. I better get all the joy out of this life that I can. It's a perspective that pervades in our world. The second idea that I think in the mindset that exists in our world is this. It's comfort. Comfort, right? I want to do what's comfortable for me. Because none of us like it. I mean, how many of you like pain? Just be, I mean, Shocking. None of us like pain. Nobody likes pain. Guess why? I don't have a tattoo. Not because I have an issue with it. I don't like pain. Like, why would I pay? Why would I pay someone to hurt me? It doesn't make sense to me. Like, you could do that if you want. I don't want to do that. I have enough pain in my life as it is. I don't have to pay for pain. It's the same reason I don't like scary movies. I got enough hard things in my life. I don't need to pay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. But this is the world we live in. Comfort. I just want to do what's comfortable. I do what feels good to me right now. This avoidance of pain we have in our culture. There's a third idea and a mindset that exists in our world. It's this. That ease equals good and suffering equals bad. Right? Ease. Oh, it must be good. If, if there's nice and ease and it's a calm, all right, that's good. But if there's any suffering at all, oh, that must be bad in some way. And what happens when these mindsets get into us? Because let's be honest, these things get into our our minds and our hearts. Guess what happens? When it's all about now, guess what? You're not going to be concerned about being faithful to Christ. You're more concerned about what makes you happy. When it comes down to it, I would rather be fulfilled. What meets my needs, not what makes me faithful to Christ. Because I'm more concerned with now than Christ. Okay? And when this whole idea of comfort comes in, you're definitely not going to... Like, if following Jesus is everything's going well, great. But if you get to a point where faithfulness to Christ demands something uncomfortable of you, I'm out. (laughs) I didn't sign up for this one. I just thought it was heaven. Like, that was what I was signing up for. Heaven sounded good, but this doesn't sound good. You check out. And then this whole idea. Ease is good. Suffering is bad. What happens when that's in your faith? See, When we begin to have this mindset, we start assuming that when things are going well in our life, then God must be in it. And then we assume that when things don't go well in our life, oh no, God must not be in this thing. See, when we take these mindsets of the world and they begin to work their way into our faith, we have issues because every single one of these, Scripture would say, can take you off course and lead you down a toxic way in your faith. they leading you the wrong way. And so the question becomes, okay, well, what is the perspective that we do need to have? How do we really think about these things? And so the text says this, therefore, therefore, okay? And whenever we see the therefore, we have a question we got to ask What's the therefore? therefore? Good job, class. Well done, okay? What's the therefore? Therefore. Why? Because the therefore always connects to the previous text, all right? And this isn't just connecting to a verse or two in front of this. This is connecting to the entire chapter before this, okay? And so I want to go actually all the way to the beginning of chapter 11, which is known as the Hall of Faith. If you know this, it's kind of people talk about this, the Hall of Faith. There's all these people and amazing stories of faith that are listed in chapter 11, but it begins in verse number one by saying this. It says, Now, Faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. See, right away, when you read this, you begin to realize this is going to be a conversation of perspective, because there's all these people who have seen one thing, but they have their faith somewhere else. else Their hope is somewhere else. OK? And so as you read through this passage, you begin to to realize that for all of us, we have this tendency to base our perspective on what we see or what we hear or what we feel. But if we're going to have faith that endures, then we can't base our perspective on those things. We've got to think differently. We've got to respond differently, okay? And so if you read through chapter 11, what you see over and over and over again is they start listing all these characters of faith and the way that they endured, and they had faith, and they had faith, and they had faith, and they didn't see the thing they wanted, and they didn't experience what they wanted, but they had faith, and they had faith, and they kept looking to something else. And we get to verse number 13, and it says this. Pull that one up. It says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. See, they had a different perspective. They knew this wasn't their home. They knew there was something else they needed to be looking toward, right? And so when you continue reading, following this, it starts listing character after character again. Again, starts all these characters and all these steps of faith that they take, and then you get down to verse number 32, and I want to read a couple verses to you. It says this in verse 32. It says, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Now, you read that, and you're like, yeah, right? That's, that's the kind of faith I want to have right there. I want the faith, we're like, yeah, we're kicking butt here, we're doing an amazing thing. We would all love it if all the things were going well, but you go, well, Another verse or two later, and what does it say? There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and floggings and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated, the world was not worthy of them. I don't like that list. <laughs> why, is, why is he speaking this to us? You see, I think a lot of times when we go through hard stuff, and I'll be the first to admit, when I go through hard stuff, it's really easy for me to think, oh, I'm the only one dealing with this. Nobody else has to deal what I'm dealing with. So you get this whole list, and it's as if the author of Hebrews is reminding us, we aren't the only ones who've gone through hard stuff. We aren't the only ones who've had to hold on and have faith through challenges. When we, we felt like God spoke something, and yet it still has not come to pass. Every single one, there are other people who have walked the road of difficulty, the road of pain, the road of disappointment, and yet they have maintained a different perspective. And so that's what he wants to lead us to here. When we get to chapter 12, and at the beginning of chapter 12, it says this, Therefore, therefore, right? In light of this, this long list of people, says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all of these believers who have stayed faithful, that kept placing their faith in God despite the circumstances they were walking in, they kept a different perspective in light of all of these people. Let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles us see in a moment he's about to give us the perspective we're supposed to have but before we get to the perspective we need to have he's going to tell us some things we got to let go and that we've got to get out of our lives because these things will kill us if we don't deal with it and I want to take a moment just to deal with these two things the first thing that he says is this he says throw off the sin that so easily entangles us Now, let's just be real. In the modern church, we don't like to talk about sin. Most churches, they don't want to talk about sin. We like to talk about bad decisions, mistakes, right? I do the, well, I just got off a little bit, right? My trauma causes me to act that way. Like, we come up with reasons around everything. But the reality is there are some things that are sin. There are some things that are in direct conflict with the ways of Christ, And the calling for us is that we've got to get into a different posture with sin. We can't simply be those who try to manage our sin. We can't be those who just try to get our sin under control. There are times in life where we need to throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. Why? Because it's grabbing hold of us. We don't understand how it's killing us. We understand that sin, what? The wages of sin is what? death and yet so often in our lives we are walking around in the death because we've allowed the sin to remain when he's saying get rid of it it's killing you he's not saying it because he's trying to be the the person the fuddy-duddy getting rid of all the fun in your life he's trying to say you need life and the sin you're leaving in your life is killing you some of you ever been fishing before right you've been fishing and you're working on the fishing line you have that moment where the fishing line just gets tangled somehow, right? Gets all tangled up. And you get those points where like, you try to pull it out, and it just like, gets worse. And there are moments in time when you're fishing where sometimes you just snip the line. We're going to have to start over here, right? And there are moments, I think, for some of us in our faith where there's been some sin issue that we've just been trying to manage. And scripture would say, hey, quit managing that thing. We need to start throwing some stuff out we got to start taking this seriously in our life. We've got to start dealing with this seriously in our lives. Quit playing around with this stuff in your life, okay? Get rid of it. Get serious, okay? Like some of us are battle, battle exterior sin, right? For some of you, that's, that's an issue. Exterior sin, things that you do, right? I did this. I shouldn't have done this. You know, we, we know that. You know, right? There's activities that you participate in. Maybe there's relationships that you're in right now and you're like, that's an inappropriate relationship. And this is a sin that I'm allowing in my life. I've allowed it to entangle me in some way and I'm not getting it out of my life. I need to stop trying to manage this thing and I need to actually push it out of my life. Throw this thing off in some way. Every single one of us can have things like that. Maybe it's things with your words, the way that you speak, the the way you speak to people, the way you speak about people. There is sin there that you need to deal with. You're allowing it in your life, and you don't realize it, but it's killing you. He's saying, quit it. Throw it off. But for a lot of us, we get to the point in our faith, maybe you've been to that point in your faith where you, where you feel like you've gotten so mature, you're like, I don't really have any of those big sins in my life anymore, right? I'm past that point. I don't have those kind of things. But you may have sin of the heart, the quiet things that nobody else knows about, the attitudes. It's the bitterness you have toward that person. It's the unforgiveness you've held on to that person, right? It's the the inappropriate view that you have of God, the way that you have treated him. Something in your heart. I'm gonna voice it again because I just think it's that important. We've got our men's purity group coming up and there's some men in this room. You're like, I've never had an affair, but you do almost every night in your heart because of things you're looking at. And we've got a men's purity group that's starting two weeks from this Tuesday. And if you're in that place where this is a toxic area in your life that you need some freedom in, quit playing around with it, you need to throw this thing off. You need to get rid of it. Come join the Sign up, check out the events page and you can sign up to be a part of this group. We have a number of guys already jump in. I think this could be critical for you in your life. All right? But what are those things that entangle you? What are those things that are tripping you up in your faith? What is the sin that, that he's saying, listen, you gotta get rid of it. Quit playing around. Get rid of this thing in your life. What is that? But again, there's some of you here that you would say, Greg, I, I don't have any like blatant sin issue in my life right now. I'm sure yes, I sin, there's things that I happen in my life, but that's not really the issue of my life. Well, I think number two relates to most of us, and it's this it says, throw off everything that hinders. Throw off everything that hinders. Because it isn't just the bad or the evil things that hinder us in our faith, right? It isn't just the bad or the evil things. There can be good things in our lives that if in the inappropriate amount can actually hinder us in our faith. And I love, if you go to the original Greek here, this phrase, everything that hinders literally means throw off every weight. Throw off every weight. Throw off any excess that you have that is holding you back from running the race God has called you to run. Has any of you ever run a marathon? Raise your hand. Anybody run a marathon? Yeah? A few of you run a marathon? Anybody uh, can promise me that you will never run a marathon? Raise your hand if you promise you never run. Okay. Far more of you than the marathon runners right now. Okay? <laughs> okay? Like, I, I, I want you to just imagine for a moment that I asked you to run a marathon and you were capable to do this. Okay? <laughs> So you're going to run a marathon, all right? When you prepare to run a marathon, one of the first things you think about beyond the preparation that you have is you begin to think, okay, what do I need to to have with me on me to prepare for this race? You don't go out to a race with a backpack on. You don't go out to run a marathon wearing a parka. No, you've got the leanest amount of clothing you possibly can, right? You've got the lightest shoes you can possibly have with you, right? You're, you're very, very uh, critical about the things that you're going to bring with you. But just imagine for a second that you thought to yourself, well, I need water. I need water, right? Makes sense. It's a good thing. Water is helpful. You're going to need water when you run. What if you thought to yourself, you know, water is so important. I'm going to bring a five-gallon bottle of water with me when I run this marathon, right? You're all laughing because you know that's ridiculous. It's stupidity. Although water is good in excess, it actually will prevent you from finishing the race. And here's what I would say, is that many of us, if not all of us, have things in our life that maybe are okay, it's not necessarily sin, but unfortunately, in excess, it is doing something to hinder you in your faith walk. It's getting in the way of what matters most. There are things that are more important, but you're settling for the things that are here and now and temporary. And he say, what is that? What do you need to throw off? There's a question that a lot of times new believers will ask, and especially teenagers and kids will ask. And I think you'll understand. The question that they ask when they're, should I do it? Should I not? The question they want to ask is this, is it sin? Right? Which is a great question to ask. I think that's a good starting point. Is it sin? The problem is, you know why most kids and teenagers ask that question, don't you? Right? Because is it sin? Which means how close to that line can I get before it's no longer sin? You know, like where is it? And so I think it's a good starting place. It's very good for us to ask questions: what's sin, what's not? Those are good things to ask. But I think a better question for us as followers of Christ is this, is it wise? Is it wise? Because there are things in your life that aren't sin, but they're not wise. Like there are, there are steps that you can take. There are relationships that you can get in. There are conversations that you can have that, that maybe that isn't sin, but it's not necessarily wise for where you are in life. And there are things related to your schedule for the rhythms of your home and your family that you're like, this isn't sin. It's not bad. Yes, but in the amount you have, it is putting you in a very dangerous place spiritually. It's becoming something that is hindering your faith walk. And so the question isn't, is it sin? The question is it wise. How do I go about making decisions around what will propel me in my faith toward Christ as well as hold me back in my faith in Christ? And it might be different than the person next to you. It might be different than somebody else. But what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? See, as it relates to this whole idea of making room for God in our lives, like on a a, a daily and a weekly basis, there's a good chance that you have the time to spend with Jesus. You just tell me you don't because you filled your time with things that don't matter. I know that's true of you because that can be true of me. The amount of time that can be lost because I'm foolish with it is ridiculous. And so this isn't a, a guilt trip to say, oh, we can never waste any time. No, it's, a, it's an honest conversation to say, God, what am I allowing in my life that's actually getting in the way of the better? God, if, you, if I truly say you're most important, if I truly say you're Lord, you're the king over all, then what am I doing that's preventing me from actually living that way? What is hindering me in my faith? What is hindering me in my surrender to Christ? What is that? And will we get rid of those things in our life so that we could experience the freedom he has for us? See, I wanna close our time together by going back to the text and getting back to the heart of what's being communicated here. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, focusing on Jesus, setting our eyes on Jesus, being intentional. Not Because if you don't fix your eyes, they'll go other places. But we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus. I want to get to our big, so what? We always say this, what's the point of this thing? So what this morning is this, your eyes determine your direction. Your eyes determine your direction. We can say we're heading toward Christ, but what are you actually looking at? That will determine the direction of your life. Your words are secondary to where are your eyes? What are you looking at? See, if we are to have the right perspective in the midst of this world through pain and challenges, if we're going to have the right perspective, then we must look in the right direction. You ever been driving a car before? Going down the road, driving your car, and you look at something out the window, and you look back and you realize that you have veered off the over the line for a second, right? Why? Because you naturally migrate to what you're looking at. Maybe it's happened on a bike. You're riding a bike, you know, and you're talking to the person next to you. You find yourself, whoop. Whoop, I keep, I keep, every time I turn my head, that's where I go. That's because your eyes determine your direction. What are you looking at? What are you focusing on? What has your attention? Because it matters, it matters. Hebrews would say this: fix your eyes on Jesus, set your eyes on Jesus, give him your attention. Faith in Christ cannot be supplementary to your life. For a lot of us, we just sprinkle a little Jesus on top of the life, right? I'm living my life, I'm gonna sprinkle a little Jesus every once in a while, and we'll call that good. Guess what, when you add Jesus to your life, it's really easy for you to also subtract him. And when it's uncomfortable, and when you don't like it, and when you disagree what Jesus is asking of you, you're gonna say, I'm out. That's why he never asked you, could you just add a little Jesus to your life? No, he said, I'm Lord. You come to me. You surrender your life to me. And it's no longer your life. It's actually mine. I'm the one who gets to call the shots now. I'm Lord. And guess what? I'm creator God with all authority, and I deserve it. And I love you, and I will lead you to life and hope. But at the end of the day, you're mine. It's not the other way around. If we're going to have a faith that endures the challenges, we have to have the right perspective. I know there's some of you here this morning that you, <clears throat> you walk in the room and, and you're going through hard stuff. You're going through difficult circumstances. Um, if you're like me, when I go through hard stuff, it's really easy for my, wa- my world to become very small and to start, I, it's like I can only think about my problems and my issues and what I'm going through. Maybe you can relate to that a little bit. It's like, I'm not really thinking about everybody else. I'm thinking about myself, all these kind of things. And so if you're here this morning and you're walking through some hard things, Difficult seasons, like I understand it. This is not meant to diminish any of those things because I understand all of us walk through those things, but here's the challenge for you today. As rather than fixating on the challenge, would you fix your eyes on Jesus? Would you put your attention on him? Would you say, Christ, I wanna have the right perspective Like those believers who have endured painful things. God, would I be someone who says, Christ, I still choose faithfulness to you despite the challenges I'm walking through. I'm not going to let this determine my faith. No, my faith is in you, no matter what. Would we be those kind of believers that can endure through the hard stuff? Because if you're like me, when you go through hard stuff, sometimes you want to bail. But the invitation is to say, God... God, everything in my flesh wants to bail right now, God, but I choose faithfulness to you. I'm not going to look at my circumstance. I'm not going to look on my feelings. I'm not going to look through just my eyes. I'm going to look through my heart of faith in you, God. And I choose to put my trust in you, Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. He's there working with you. It ain't you on your own. He's the one working this thing out, all right? But I would say there's some of you, you know what, your life is great right now. You're like, you know what, my life is going well. I'm not walking through any challenges right now. Guess what the tendency is, at least I experience this, when everything's going really well, my world can still get very small. (laughs) Shockingly, I begin to think about myself a lot. And I'm worried about my world and what I've got going on, not really concerned about everything else. You know what the encouragement is for you? You might have heard it before. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. In those moments when things are going well, if you're not careful, if you do not keep your eyes on Christ, then what are you going to be concerned about? Now, comfort. You're going to view things like the world, and that is a very dangerous place to be in your faith. We want to be those who say, Christ, Whatever happens, if it's good, bad, and different right now, God, no matter what I face, if I'm victorious like some of these guys, if I'm getting sawed into wherever it is, God, I choose to get my eyes on you. And I'm gonna endure just like you did because you endured the cross for me. You took it on. Why? Because you knew that your death meant salvation for me. And Christ, I wanna respond to your goodness and your love and your faithfulness by giving my life to you. No holding back. No reservations, no lines around it, no rules that say, if this doesn't happen, God, I'm bailing. No, it says, Christ, I'm all yours. You are Lord and King over my life. That's the only faith that will endure. That's the only perspective we can have that actually will last when the difficulties come. And my prayer is for every single person. My prayer for me, for my wife, for my kids, for our family, is that we would be those types of followers of Christ that our hope and our confidence is in him. We fix our eyes on him in every circumstance. So I ask the question, where are your eyes today? Where are your eyes today? What have you been looking at? What have you been focusing on in your life? Is it Christ? Is it your challenges? Is it your world? In a moment, the team's gonna lead us in a song. Some of you have heard it before. It just says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. The good stuff, hard stuff, the stuff we love, the stuff we don't like will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. you Bow your heads, close your eyes across the room as we respond for a moment. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much that you care for us that you love us, that you invite us to yourself. Every single week, God, there's just a stirring in hearts to to come to you in a deeper level. And we just thank you that you are patient with us. Father, we come this morning recognizing that, and there are things in our life, for some of us, there is issues of sin right now in our life that we are allowing, that we have not dealt with. We haven't thrown it out. We've been just kind of managing, right? God, I pray that right now you would bring a conviction that's not from me, but a conviction from the Holy Spirit to turn from some of those things, that there would be repentance in this house today. Would you do that, Lord? And I, I also just pray for those who, it's not an issue of sin, there's just a distraction. There's something that's pulling us away from you. It's tendering our faith. God, I pray that you would begin to reveal some of those things right now. I'm gonna give you about one minute with every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm gonna give you about one minute and I want you to just simply ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, is there something in my life that I need to lay down? Is there something that's just getting in the way? It's it's entangling me in my pursuit of Christ. Maybe it's with my schedule, maybe it's with a person, whatever it is. Take about a minute and if you sense the Holy Spirit speak to your, something to your heart, would you just have a moment of repentance right there where you're sitting? Would we just do that together for the next 60 seconds? Thank you for your patience with us, God. Thank you that you're slow to anger, but you're abounding in love toward us, God. And I pray that you would, in those areas where maybe we've allowed something to remain that needed to go, God, I pray that we would actually turn, that we wouldn't just feel sorry about it, but we would turn away from it and truly repent of those things, God. And I pray this week that that the trajectory of our lives would look different as we are laying some things aside intentionally to fix our eyes on you, Jesus. With every head bow and every eye closed, if you're here this morning, I just feel like I want to give you an opportunity. Um, if you're here and you would say, you know what, I've I've been sprinkling a little Jesus into my life. I have not surrendered my life to Christ. There are areas of sin, there are areas in my life where I'm still living my own way, doing my own thing. He is not Lord over my life. If that's you this morning, with every head bow and every eye closed, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. So I'm going to ask you to, just to do something very simple. Would you just lift a hand across the room say, yes, that's me. I need to surrender my life to Christ. I'm done sprinkling Jesus into my life. I need to surrender to him. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to hurry through this. If that's you, I'm going to give you a moment. Would you lift a hand and say, yeah, that's me, Jesus. I want to surrender to you completely. Surrender to you completely. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, if you were one of the ones that raise your hand, I would invite you just right now in your own heart to pray as I pray out loud. God, thank you so much for loving and pursuing me. Thank you for running after me, God. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've been going my own way. I've just been adding a little Jesus to my life here and there, God. God, I need to surrender my life to you and make you Lord over my life. I believe in Jesus. I believe he is Savior and King, and I submit to him as King over my life. Help me to live for you, Jesus. Help me to live submitted to you, Jesus, for your glory and to receive the title of saved and redeemed and child of God. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus.